yeah, we'll just dive in. Um, Tom Clark, commissioner of the PBA. You've been doing it as long as I can remember. When did you actually start as the commissioner of the PBA? Uh, let's see. So I started with the PBA in 2008, but I okay. I was named commissioner in 2011. Okay. So I've been commissioner for 12 years. Yeah, man. That's a, that's a good run in any career as far as I'm concerned these days. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly have uh, experience. That is, yeah. you know, if I didn't have experience in 2011, I have it now. So. <laughs> I, uh, that's one part of the, the resume that's checked off for sure. Yes, yes. Yeah, you finally get to fulfill, though. What, what is the going joke that college graduates need to graduate with five years experience to get an entry-level job now or something like that? <laughs> At least we got the experience thing out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom, I will be honest. I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff about all the things that I wanted to talk about with you because um, even just within the last season, 2022's PBA season was one that – I think was pretty darn cool. Um, there was a lot of stuff that happened. And obviously, you know, Belmo leading the the points race by the the amount that he does is one that I think a lot of people outside of the sport and even inside of the sport will will gravitate towards, right? He won his 30th title. He wins another major. He's the best bowler in the world. But there was so much other stuff that happened. Is there something that stands out to you from this last year that it's like, and maybe we can I can preface this question one more one more way besides Norm's finish. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Actually, that's actually the first thing that came to mind was yeah. sort of yep. defining the the season, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. and not just because of the finish and the, the retirement uh, type of announcement and how that was all how that all happened, which was, you know, beautiful, really. But also yeah. what he did at the Masters. Yeah. I mean. Well, yep. It was incredible. I mean, he made a run. He let it. He was undefeated, yep. and uh, and he could have won, and that would have been a, an amazing swan song. It was anyway. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the, the 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 heightened uh, awareness that actually was our highest rated show of the year too, and mm -hmm. the most you know I get the fifteen minute uh, ratings for every fifteen minutes, and that match that that was the most watched uh, bowling match uh, of the year, you know, by a mm -hmm. lot, uh, and that's all because of uh, Norm Duke. Um, so, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that's the thing that came right to mind. Now you, yeah. now you're trying to make me think about something else. Let's uh, dig in a little bit deeper. Right. Cause like, I, I definitely want to spend some more time talking about Norm. Cause that, you know, everything that happened yeah, in, look, in Portland the also, uh, the world championship yeah. mat finals, final match, mm -hmm. you know, Chris Prather, who just, I have a certain, uh, I really love watching him bowl. I always have since he was mm -hmm. young. It's just, uh, he's all, he's almost like mesmerizing to me how, how he's taken uh, precision and, um, uh, you know, his approach and just the way he bowls, it's, it's very Im impressive to me. So I, I like to watch him anyway. But his match against Jason Sterner um, in the World Championship final that went to a sudden death roll off was uh, pretty exciting. Were you there? Were you, you were there, weren't you? I, I was, was not there for that one. I was I was there for all the animal shows uh, the week the week after that. But yeah, I definitely watched that one live. I mean, how can you not? Yeah. That was a that was a that was a studded uh, stepladder too. And then for Chris to come out in the way that he did, um, and and even you know not to even just to focus exclusively on Chris, like that's the first time that Jason's been in the hot seat like that, in a you know, right, right at the edge of it in a long time too. And to see him really, I mean, when during the whole world series, Jason threw it great. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that show, even though he didn't come out on top, like it, you still, I still give the guy a lot of credit even just to be there too. But yeah, that, that was one of the, that was a great freaking match. And, and to finish the way that it did was pretty awesome. Uh, every, every night. I mean, the world series was a little unusual this year and we were finally back after COVID. And so it was a little, it was kind of trying to get back to normal, but it still was an unusual world series. And there was a lot uh, of hanging over the event, you know, with everything mm -hmm. going on in bowling and stuff. But, but the finals of every show were, was really incredible. I mean, great storylines. I mean, I think we all love to see Kyle Sherman get his first, you know, singles title on TV. We've been following his career. He and Brad, you know, just like you, you know, make, making a mark on YouTube. And, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to see him grab that first one was pretty cool. Kevin Williams, I mean, that was another thriller match. I mean, yeah. incredible. He had to strike to win his first title. You know, I love first titles at the World Series, especially international players. And and then, of course, mm-hmm. Belmont didn't win his first one, but uh, another one, you know, at the yep. World Series to get his 30th. And, uh, you know, so the, the World Series uh, was pretty cool, the, all the TV shows. Yeah, and not and and the doubles. Yeah, but EJ and uh, and Mark Kent, that was a hell of a match. I mean, and uh, you know it was great to see those guys uh, win. EJ Tackett bowled incredible on that show. Um, <laughs> yeah, he really did. I mean, look at, I love the strike track stats and to see what he did at, at the level that he throws the ball. When when you when you've taken the game to a level where no one's really seen anybody throw the ball like that. And to have that amount of revolutions and that amount of speed and be able to curve it that consistently and accurately that he displayed on that show is like a textbook thing. I mean, it's incredible. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but then again, that, then what that also reminds me of is a couple of really, really tough things about the season. Like Mark Roth wasn't there for that. You know, mm-hmm. we had a great Mark Roth tribute at the World Series and his wife came. And that was something I'll never forget about this year. You know, and um, and also right before or during the World Series, you know, we lost Bill Vint and uh, mm-hmm. Bill meant so much uh, to, to the sport, but also to me and to the PBA over these last you know 10 years. And we, we kept this thing together and it was because of people like him. And and uh, so uh, he came to the World Series and and he died a couple of days later, a few days mm-hmm. later. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was, there was it was it was really an eventful kind of a tough year. But uh, like you said, uh, you know, kind of unforgettable. Every every single event was pretty special. And, you know, the, the reason that I asked that question is, you know, one, one of the things that I wrote down right away was uh, Don Barrett winning the Triple Crown. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, third guy, third guy ever. And he's in, you know, Dom's one of those guys that says just like somehow just like just lived under the radar, but like right under it, like his whole career after, after he, um, after he won his first world championship, it's just been like, just, he's just always there. And then to, to be the third guy to ever win a triple, it was third, right? I believe it was, it was Belmo and Mike and then, uh, Don Barnes has won it too. Barnes has got it. Yeah. Okay. I think there's Um, a, there's a few more, you know, Pete Weber, obviously. uh, Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, the Grand Slam and the Super That's Slam it. and the Triple Crown are yeah. all kind of – but just to be another Triple Crown winner is, is right. especially an uh, international player. And, you know, you know, you know think of Dom and um, in the World Series, you know, the advent of the World Series when I started with the PBA, you know, really did help invite uh, those international players. That's where he got his first uh, PBA title was the World Series. And he won his first major at the World Championship and, and – uh, and to see him become just a all-timer PBA, you know, player yeah. and win the tournament champions is it was cool. It was it was pretty awesome. I a uh, couple other things that kind of stood out to me, you know, um, Santu kind of coming out of nowhere, right, in Colorado, and then all of a sudden he's just better than everybody, like almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his performance at the league was really cool. I mean, you know, he became yeah. like this guy who just had to watch you know yeah when those guys come around not that often where you go mm-hmm. every time they throw the ball you you want to watch them you know the pba league was really exciting i mean what it we was there at bayside bowl and the way it ended was impossible get the norm duke thing i mean before yeah. even that it was just like you know impossible to uh to make up and and it really uh you really felt like sitting there you, you felt bowling at the highest level of sports it's the way it feels in the in the heat of battle in a championship in in any sport where the people that can slow things down and concentrate at those moments take things to another level and and things that are easy for people at any other time when the air gets that thick as it did at that in that event in a game five deciding match in that environment it's it's hard to perform. I was nervous. I mean, I was. I had to pick the MVP award. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there and I'm going, 
and I'm so, I was I, I I was talking to Denise Roth actually. I used to always talk to Mark Roth about it, and I go with whatever Mark said, you know. And so I was <laughs> and I'm in every shot there was a new MVP, you know. I'm going, wait a minute, it can't be what now it's. And then I was just getting nervous, and I'm thinking Arturo did all this, but I mean Kyle was so consistent, he was leading off, and I felt you know, and it was like I was yeah. joking. I mean, so it, yeah. just, uh, it was one of those things where the air got so thick and it shows how great of a sport bowling can be when you just don't know what's going to happen. And you have yeah. to go for the people that, you know, missed when they would never miss. And a guy like Matt Ogle, I mean, he made a huge name for himself at the PBA League this year. He already had won mm-hmm. a title, but but I mean, he was awesome at the strike derby. He was awesome for the Dallas strikers. He uh, he, you know, was the anchor man. Uh, he was the MVP for a while. you know so it just um it was one of those things where there was a bunch of them and they kept changing every game and every shot Uh, it was Mm -hmm. it was an awesome final match so and the other matches the other days were cool too so i I was proud of that week as well i i was excited like obviously i I think the pba league is actually one of the things that as a spectator is like one of the, it's like the most exciting thing for me. You know, I grew up watching team sports, right? So anytime that you can, you can implement that to me is, is super exhilarating. And then when they did all the, went through all the rebrands with the, you know, Chicago Hitman and Waco wonders, and I'm forgetting one because my memory isn't great and all that. It's like, I'm already thinking about this and it's like six months away. And then it finally happened and it happened that way. It was like, wow, we're lucky. Well, you know, that, that whole event and, um, you know, was rebirthed by our um, discovering Bayside Bowl, you know? And, yeah. and so being able to bring it there just adds this level of, of making it really special. And, uh, you know, it might be, to, it might, I mean, uh, you know, the fans are really fair, you know, they don't root against anyone. But mm-hmm. certainly you have to think that Portland Lumberjacks have a, a little bit of a home field advantage there in that building and uh, and feel comfortable. Uh, but um, uh, they also have a pretty, pretty damn good team. So I, I think that's yeah. one of the reasons they want it uh, consecutive years here. But uh, yeah, yeah, I you, you can definitely give some of it to to the fan base, but they're not the ones throwing the ball and the guys that are throwing the ball on that team are pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. That's that lineup. That's been uh and, and then, you know, Tim Mack makes incredible mm-hmm. uh, picks every year. I mean, n- nobody else was thinking, let's take Arturo Quintero, mm-hmm. you know, and he jumps up, Tim takes him, and he struck, I think seven times in a row at one point during that championship match. And he was just amazing to watch with his green hair and his reactions. His wife, was, his wife was unbelievable in the crowd. And yes, and le- and now look, Arturo lives in Portland, Maine now. I mean, oh, he, does he? He moved there. <laughs> I mean, That's I mean, awesome. That event, can, that event, and that building can change your life. It, it changed the PBA league trajectory. And it changed Arturo's Quintero's life. So that's amazing. I had no idea that he moved yeah, up there. Yeah. That's so can, cool. Check this the Facebook page for Bayside. He's like giving lessons there now. He's the Bayside Bowl is going to put him out on tour as a sponsor. Uh, you know, it's a it's a whole thing. So nice. uh, it's amazing how how much impact uh, that place can have. And uh, speaking of Portland, um, Charlie who runs uh, uh, Bayside Bowl, is yeah. on the advisory board for yeah. the PBA League Bowler certification. How's all that going? Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Well, you know, the leagues are on the floor now for the most part across the country, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for now in Bolero-owned centers. And, um, yeah, bringing on those advisors, uh, it's a great group. I mean, it's very diverse. They all have different um, areas of – they're all expert, experts at almost everything in bowling, but – you know, Lori Mraz, uh, a long time from Turbo, long time marketing and, you know, president and ran Turbo Grips. And uh, she's just a great marketing mind and she has a great vision for um, all aspects of bowling and has been on boards like the, the Hall of Fame board. She's still I think she's the vice president of the Hall of Fame board now. And she's been on Ipsia boards, almost every board in bowling. She's been on. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, ability to see things around uh, in, in a lot of ways, but specifically marketing. 
And then we have Parker Bone, obviously one of the greatest bowlers of all time, and then just one of the greatest ambassadors and cares about the growth of the game, uh, particularly on the youth level and uh, mm-hmm. understands what what uh, lead bowlers want. And then we have uh, Chris Chartrand, who's the CEO of Kegel. And, I, you know, for me, he's always been an, an advisor for me because he's a great businessman. Uh, and Kegel has this unique perspective uh, on, on the game and uh, so having him having him give his thoughts is, is really special. And then you mentioned Charlie and Charlie mm-hmm. to me has the greatest bowling league in the country. And yeah, we could duplicate that league all around the country, uh, you know, done. You know, I, I mean, we the bowling would be um, really surprising a lot of people with the type of people that would be bowling regularly in leagues. And mm-hmm. and Charlie's done it all in a very. uh non-traditional way i mean you tell people that you know in his league they're they never bowl on a on a house shot they always bowl on a pta shot they don't have any handicap and they're all skill levels in his league but there is no such thing as handicap in his league uh they don't have prize money they don't put money in every week and then pay everybody at the end or anything they want to win the banner and they want to have fun and they care about the game and they connect it to the pba already uh, and, um, you know, almost everything they do is, is uh, counterintuitive to what most bowling leagues do, uh, mm-hmm. so in his, uh, perspective is another thing. And I think all that's one of the first steps in this program being something that can bring a lot of relevancy to league bowling and grow league bowling. You know, I, you know, I, I try to, I, I tell the players and, and tell, uh, tell anybody that, you know, the league bowlers are our best audience. That's the best mm-hmm. audience of the PBA. And when the PBA was at its height, for me at least, in the 70s and early 80s and things, that's when league bowling was at its height. And mm-hmm. more league bowlers, there's a bigger pool to uh, watch and care and follow the PBA. And, uh, and so if we can get more people bowling more regularly, caring about their scores and caring about – uh, the competitive side of the game, I think they're more apt to be our uh, core audience. And uh, so I'm really happy with the, uh, the advent of that program. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that um, I think, I think the, I think that coming out, you know, was something that surprised a lot of people. I think that it was, um, I, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say it was polarizing where we haven't gotten to that point yet, if we ever do, you know, but um, it's, it's something that there was that I think it just piqued a lot of curiosity. And as a, as a bowler, regardless of where you, you stand on, if there is a side, if you will, mm-hmm. um, I hope it works. Cause like you said, the more league bowlers there are, the better bowling is regardless of, of who is um, facilitating it, if you will. Um, so I'm pretty excited about it. Um, it is something that's, um, I, I will be keeping a close eye on. So I'm glad yeah, you guys are doing it. It's not really a, a replacement thing or anything. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a very, uh, you know, when, when, when we were, you know, I was obviously, I was the CEO of the PBA when we sold to Bolero in yeah. uh, 2019, at the end of 2019. And, you know, one of the, the great, potential um, benefits of having the PBA would be to create larger membership organization. And when you have 300 bowling centers and already have 180,000 league bowlers in those centers and you have the PBA, you know, you put those two things together and you can really, uh, you can do a lot of interesting things. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, PBA junior, another one. I mean, that's something. Yeah. You- We've yeah. wanted to do that for, I mean, I want to do that from day one, you know, some kind of PBA little league and, you know, and, and, and have had conversations through the years, but once we have the, the Bolero had the PBA, they were able to to take that idea and run with it and make it actually mm-hmm. happen. And that's really taken off and being in is a great program too. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of great potential for the sports side of bowling. When you, when you have this many venues, when, the PBA uh, as a television property and media property can help promote the idea of go bowling. And, and you have centers all over the country and it promotes it for all bowling centers. Mm-hmm. Obviously we always have. And, and USBC leagues are still in all of these Bolero centers. Yep. And most yep. of the people that are in the, the, the uh, PBA leagues, a lot of them, not, I don't, it's about half 50, 50, something like that are USBC um, 
USB-C members as well. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, um, like I said, it was just something that it was, it was surprising and I'm glad that it wasn't just like a fight. Right. Cause I think bowlers are really good at disagreeing about stuff, <laughs> but no, that's good. That's good. And maybe uh, it's, not, like, it's not a fight. I don't know. Fighting is, is a part of the, part of the game, I guess, in almost everything. And so, you know, sometimes, you know. sometimes you just, uh, it doesn't, as long as it's not a bad fight. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, what, thinking about your 15 minute uh, ratings, you know, go all the way back to the players championship in the, the Midwest finals. I'm sure that spiked up a little bit there too. Speaking of yeah. fights, but <laughs> yeah, I, I actually don't remember if there was a blip. That, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I mean, things like controversy, things that just happen. Um, yeah. Uh, are always, uh, you know, my, the, the thing that, that I've always been proud of the, of the PBA is it's always been real. I mean, if something happens, yeah. it's real. I mean, there's nothing concocted. There's nothing where we say, we got to make this happen. We got to make this happen. We got to do this. We got to do that. It just doesn't happen that way. It all happens naturally because of the heat of the competition, because of the nature of the game, the personalities involved. And, uh, you know, but when it does happen, like it does in every sport, um, it's usually good if, if, if there's conversation and if there's discussion about things, even if it's uh, even if it's not always happy and positive, it's still um, it's still uh, beneficial to the overall mm -hmm. growth of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's the no there's no such thing as bad publicity. Is that kind of kind of the rule there? there is. But yeah, I, I don't think know. sometimes there is. <laughs> Uh, and speaking of speaking of good publicity, you know, one of the one of the big reasons why I reached out at the time that I did is, uh, you know, this this will go up right around October 1st, October 16th, I believe, is the it will be the the airing of the Jimmy Allen uh, challenge. Tell me about it. Yeah, well, it's one of the great benefits of the Fox uh, relationship is that we get this window uh, during the NFL season. Um, to follow an NFL game or lead into an NFL game, depending on what market you're in. And that is a very coveted spot for any television program because of the huge audiences watching the NFL. So for us to know that on October 16th, we're going to have a program on Big Fox right after, I don't know which game is before us, and it depends on the market, but let's say it's mm -hmm. the Cowboys and the Packers or something, and you've got 20 million people watching television right at that moment. I mean, you know, uh, you know, we come on right after it. So it's one of the great things about Fox. They, they first bonus us that, that show in uh, 2018 when we first did the deal with Fox and it was and every year, it's pretty much the highest rated show of the year. And so we've been putting for, you know, we try to put something on that might appeal to uh, a larger audience than just bowlers. But we we always make sure we've got great PBA bowling as part of it, and so the Jimmy Allen Challenge is uh, is unique because Jimmy Allen is a, a really emerging country music star. I mean, he's he's become uh, big uh, in, in country music. He's actually opening for uh, Carrie Underwood in Milwaukee in uh, on October twenty third, and I think nice. now I, now I want will want to go to that concert. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, Jimmy Allen is really serious about bowling and he's pretty good. Uh, he wants to bowl regionals. He practices every chance he gets when he's on the road. He's be, he's uh, has friendships with a lot of PBA bowlers. Um, mm -hmm. He is dead serious about the game. I mean, he was telling me what oil pattern he wants and he does not want a house shot and he went, you know, so, and he's got just great goals in the game. And, um, and it's really exciting to see somebody that's so talented in another field and famous in another field, take such uh, interest and a shine to bowling. And now the PBA combines with him and creates this television show. And, and what'll be, you know, even, you know, unique about this event versus uh, other celebrity events we've done um, is we'll actually have a concert right there on the lanes. So we're setting up, you know, a, a concert venue where Jimmy and other, uh, other artists are going to, are going to perform and some of that will be, make it into the show. And then we've got some great bowling and we'll pair up, you know, people like Jimmy and uh, other celebrities with some great PBA players. Sean Rash is going to be there. Ronnie Russell, who's a country singer. He had to yep. be there. 
uh, AJ Johnson will be there and uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Troop, of course. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, who Jimmy really, really was excited to have is Pete Weber. Yep. I mean, you know, everybody knows Pete. Everybody knows who do you think you are, I am. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants him to be a part of their event. And so I'm, and I love Pete and I love to watch Pete Bull. So I'm glad that he's going to be, uh, he's going to be there too. So, uh, you know, it'll be another great exhibition of bowl, mm-hmm. the highest level. The, you'll see the differences in between a great PBA player and a emerging player to a beginner uh, and see the big, the differences in them. You'll just see cool people who really uh, respect bowling as a sport. And mm-hmm. best of all, really, for me, in my opinion, is the fact that we'll be on in such a great time on Fox mm-hmm. uh, to be able to get a huge audience and, and be able to tell people about what's coming up and and just keep bowling top of mind. Yeah, for sure. For sure. How much of a like a positive impact or how do you kind of quantify like those those external bodies? Right. Because I think of obviously CP3 was a big influence mm-hmm. for a long time. And, and Terrell Owens has been around. I mean, since he was on the Eagles, right. Um, you know, Mookie, Mookie bets, Mookie. Yep. That's yep. a big, that's a big one. And now Jimmy Allen, and this is the first time that it's been a, a music uh, star. That's really kind of taken center stage um, as a, as an outsider coming into the bowling world, if you will. Um, how much of a, of a positive impact or how do you kind of quantify that? Does that really have? It has a lot. And I mean, a, a, a real, uh, a real time, um, example of that is you know i think one of the great things that's happened with the pba in my tenure is has been landing with fox and before mm-hmm. fox uh the pba was on network broadcast television once in about 20 years in about 18 years or something like that mm-hmm. and um and so now we're on five six seven times a year on broadcast television with fox with more re-airs and a, and a rebirth in the way the game is watched and I don't think that Fox deal necessarily happens without the Chris Paul event and being able to talk to Fox about what we've done with that event, have them watch it and and get a little bit of an interest that, you know, sometimes people who aren't connected with bowling, it takes something like that for them to dive deeper, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to say, well, look at this, Mookie Betts is really a good bowler. You know, you've got baseball, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, and they say, really? And then they built their entire Fox did this entire promotional campaign about the PBA coming and used Mookie as the as the focus of this piece that they did, which I think was mostly internal. They were just getting mm-hmm. the entire they got the entire Fox uh, sports uh, team to know about the fact that they had the PBA now by using Mookie bets to do that. And that was because. They saw what he did in these Chris Paul shows before. And, uh, and then they, and they wanted the Chris Paul show. We, we, I think we had the first one, uh, the first, the last time Fox had the Super Bowl, I believe we had the Chris Paul celebrity event on the day of the Super Bowl before yep. the Super Bowl came on. And, and, and so I'm just using that as an example of, you know, people that might not be connected with bowling, like a, a potential sponsor, a potential media partner, um, fans, if you're introduced to it because you have an interest in Chris Paul or, you know, we've had so many great stars on that show. We've had a lot of music, oh, yeah. Lil Wayne, Nelly, mm-hmm. Ludacris, you know, and, and they take a shine to uh, French Montana who could forget him. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the biggest upset in the history of bowling. Really. <laughs> and, um, and then, and, and so, you know, you use that kind of as an entree to get the conversation started and yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's meant I think that event, the Chris Paul events meant a lot. And, and the Chris Paul events not necessarily gone forever. It's just gone for this year. It's not going to sure. happen this year, but it it could come back. So um, and Chris loves it. You know, last year's event, COVID got in the way of it. It kind of made it tough. And uh, people that we had signed up, you know, we had Kyler Murray and Devin Booker were both on the way to the bowling center when Devin found out he had COVID couldn't come then kyler murray was nervous about the about what was happening with covid and uh yeah. was afraid he was gonna have to miss sunday's game if he got you know so yeah. he, he said look i can't do it and these things all happen right on the fly and that made last year challenging but that's been a challenge for a while for a couple of years now so um yeah. but uh, no there's been great experience with the chris paul and i think this jimmy allen uh, with the music angle will uh, will do the same 
Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. You know, it's one of those things that, um, like I said, a few minutes ago, bowlers like to disagree on things like, you know, it, it, it's at it, bowlers that are, uh, outspoken, like to ridicule, you know, the celebrity type bowling events because it's not, sure. you know, it's not yeah. bowling. Right. And, and I, and, but I think you, you hit on a really good point that, if it weren't for the diver- diversification of the audience of that those events, that maybe some of this other stuff doesn't come come to be. You know, if if the Fox deal doesn't happen, where's bowling at? So if so if the CP3 Invitational made that happen in some way, it's a positive thing for bowling, even though it's not bowling. You know, putting it in quotes. Hey, by the way, there. ratings don't lie either. And when you, yeah. when you look back at ten years of the Chris Paul event, and you look at the ratings, and every single one is is consistently one of the highest rated shows of the year, kind of mm-hmm. wherever it was programmed. Um, it uh, it lifts your overall number for the year, so it makes your sales pitch different. It changes your demographics when the demographics for that show, the eight average age is lower than the mm-hmm. average age of a normal show. I mean, all these things help your help you uh, help your big picture sales pitch to all the different partners that you need. Uh, mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, that's been one of the great um, additions to the PBA over these last over during my uh, tenure here has mm-hmm. been being able to do a, a really cool celebrity event each year. The PBA League also wouldn't have launched without the without Chris Paul and uh, uh, his brother and um and the way that it originally started in 2013 was uh, celebrity ownership of each mm-hmm. one of those teams. And Chris was one of them. And, and they want, you know, they got, we got a lot of people involved like T.O. or, you know, Jerome Bettis and Billie Jean King and um, who else? Chris Hardwick, Kevin Hart. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of these team names are all because of those people who founded those teams. And mm-hmm. uh, the general concept of celebrity team owners didn't necessarily work, you know, mm-hmm. for, uh, from a financial standpoint, but it worked for, from a, from the idea that it got it going. It gave us a reason yeah. to get it going. It got a lot of publicity when we first started and it launched it. And now we have something that's kind of special and maybe can grow in different ways. So mm-hmm. yeah, every little thing, sometimes even things that don't work exactly to plan, you know, usually uh, have helped in other ways that are less obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I actually forgot about the celebrity ownership thing. And as soon as you said it, I remember Jerome Bettis just towering over everyone. <laughs> that was except I think I think Jesse Buss was on that team and he at least was like the similar height, but he yeah. was half as half as wide. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Um, set up a, a race between uh, Jesse Buss and T.O. Because Jesse Buss is really fast and uh yeah. But I, I'd pay I to watch that. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> I noticed T.O. now at whatever age he is now, he's 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 still beating all these young guys and running four 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 forties. I mean, I don't know. He's he's a freak of nature. I mean, and he loves bowling. Let me tell you, when mm-hmm. he won last year, we're on a we're in a little text uh, thread with Chris Paul and um, um, and T.O. does not let Chris Paul forget that he won the trophy. <laughs> I mean, here's the trophy. He brings it on car rides. He puts it, he puts a seatbelt on it, takes a picture and makes sure that everybody sees that. That's I love that. <laughs> just just <laughs> lean into it. That's amazing. Uh, Tom, I, uh, I, 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 ha- I wrote down this, this, well, it's not my last question, but it's one that, um, so you and I first met in Milwaukee uh, roughly almost a year ago um, you know, at the players and, um, you know, I, in the, in the conversations that we had there in, in, uh, Ohio and just being able to just, you know, like I said, you've been the commissioner as long as I can remember, I think it's pretty well known, or at least it is to me that you're kind of a bowling historian. Like you have a pretty good sense of everything that's happened in professional bowling and, and, and probably know a lot more than you'll even give yourself credit for. Um, but I, I guess with, with having that, you know, I, I look at this last year and all of the cool things that happened. You know, one thing that we didn't bring up is Anthony Simonson winning two more majors, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, I think he's got 10 total, four majors. Mm-hmm. He's 25 years old. It's unbelievable, right? 
you got you you, you mentioned Chris Prather. You you know uh, the the greatest bowler of all time, arguably, is on the PBA tour and Jason Belmonte and all these guys. The state of bolt professional bowling today, 2022-2023, where does that rank to you like in terms of like eras in professional bowling? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you know, when 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 I grew up and so I think whenever anybody grew up and when they're like 10 years old, you know, is I was, you know, it's like I just was watching a documentary about the 1978 Yankees last night. That was mm-hmm. my favorite team because I was born mm-hmm. in 1969. And so all the players from, you know, the 78 Yankees, Greg Nettles is my favorite player to this day. You know, uh, and there can never be a better time in baseball than right then for, for me. And mm-hmm. in bowling, I was lucky because at that exact time, it was Mark Roth and Marshall Holman and Earl Anthony. And that triumvirate uh, on uh, ABC, uh, you know, they seemed to be on every show and they were really inspiring and de- different. And uh, Mark Roth was a unique player and Marshall was a unique player. And in similarly to the way that two hand bowling became unique in this current era, um, in that there were plenty of people you know, who were dismayed by Mark Roth's approach to bowling and thought that it was, uh, they were just grip it and rip it, you know, uh, ruining the game and taking away, you know, and obviously now we look back and say, well, that's ridiculous. And, and it's kind of the same thing. I think that you'll see with two handing, there's plenty of people who think that Mm -hmm. all the stuff is crazy, but it's also just an electric really time of, time in the history of the game because it's totally changed uh mm-hmm. and not and you don't have to be two-handed i mean there's plenty like you mentioned prather and dom barrett and ej tackett and we mm-hmm. you know kyle sherman we talk about all these people that are great players sean rash and bill o'neill have had long almost 20 year careers you know bowling one-handed it's not like you have to be but it exists now and it creates this entire new dynamic and the other thing that's really new now that didn't exist when i was watching is this international flavor there was no mm-hmm. such thing as people from australia you know uh you know the only international player of note that was amleto monticelli until mika came along and then at that point there was basically two uh there was you know there were one you know, there were a few along the along the mm-hmm. way really the PBA had basically two international players. And then with the advent of the world series over these last few years, it's there's players from 25 countries and guys like Jesper Svensson and um, uh, that, that are populating the tour and and adding a different uh, element of personality and rivalry. Um, So you have to say it's pretty exciting. I mean, it's exciting to be on, um, you know, broadcast television again now it's exciting to look at the players that we have, you know, they're Kyle Troop is one of the most colorful players in the history of the PBA. Now what's interesting is before him, it was guppy troop. So right. right. <laughs> uh, like the earlier eras didn't have a, a colorful troop, you know? <laughs> and I mean, and whether Kyle or guppy, which one was more colorful, I think that's up for grabs. I might go. It is. I might There's go a fight to be had there. But Kyle is, uh, has, has shown, uh, an incredible ability to uh, refocus his game from being uh, a sideshow to a dominant player. I mean, he won the playoff mm-hmm. year. He's the end of the year. I mean, I mean, he was unbelievable. He won the strike derby. He won the MVP at the PBA league. He won the playoffs. Uh, what else did he win? He won something else. And, and uh, he, he was awesome at the PBA tour finals, which another one, yep. Belmo won, but, and, um, so you have these uh, great personalities, incredible talent, exciting ways they deliver the ball. There's been eras of the PBA where the people maybe that rose to the top didn't have the uh, the kind of ball reaction or, or ball motion that you see now. And the pins maybe didn't mm-hmm. react in a way that they do now that's flying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have people like, like Simo, like you said, who – you know, he could step up tomorrow and bowl back up and, and win a PBA tournament. So the talent level, 
I don't know that there's ever been a higher talent level. Um, I think the consistency and the relevance of the of of my era, the 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. um, was probably higher then. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the relative amount of prize money then versus today was probably higher then. But our uh, concentration on the major championships is better now than it was then. Uh, our com- our uh, concentration on um, or our the way the ball's delivered, I think, is better now. I think that the um, international flavor is better now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I think that the way that we televise the game, I mean, I wish, uh, there's a couple things I wish from the 70s. I wish Earl Anthony was on a show with Dr. J, you know, that would have <laughs> been a hell of a show. Yeah, we We've had Belmo bowling with Chris Ball. We've had Jason Couch bowling with LeBron James. You know, mm-hmm. I wish that back then we had the strike track graphic to see Earl Anthony's consistency and his ball speed. And we have that now. So that's better now. You know, so uh, there's a lot of things that are better. Uh, there's a lot of things that we need to go back and look and say, well, why did they have a certain level of relevancy and consistency uh, back in the day and, and try to improve in those areas now? But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'd put this era up against any. <laughs> yeah, I, I would too. The next guy would, the next guy that's older than me will say, well, wait a minute, you're not, you're missing Dick Weber. You're missing, you know, John, you're missing Johnny Petraglia uh, at the, at the height of his powers. And you're not talking about, Don Johnson. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so, and then there'll be people that are younger than me that say, well, what about Mike Albee and Dave Ozio? And, you know, it, it's like, everybody's got their favorite little window of time, but uh, mm-hmm. I think kids growing up today are going to have a hell of a, a, an era to look back on. I, I, that's kind of where my, my thought train was going is like, I look at the state of youth bowling and, and you actually have a much better picture of it than I do. Cause your son bowls for whitewater, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that youth bowling is at this really interesting, like, I would, I, I don't want to call it like it's, it's a proving point. It's not a make or break point. Cause it's not going to break youth bowling if it doesn't go perfectly well. Right. But there's so many youth bowlers that are in that college age range and mm-hmm. a lot of them have a ton of talent i mean it's a it's lot of pretty unbelievable related. a lot of them are related to pba bowlers i mean that's yeah. true <laughs> i mean chris barnes son the parker bones sons uh del yep. ballard's daughter you know it's unbelievable that's why we did that special king of the lane series about families and uh yeah, yeah it is at west malat's son jordan is unbelievable i mean uh, yep you know, so you have you have this next generation, but uh, yeah, no, I see a lot of it uh, in youth bowling, uh, junior gold and um, mm-hmm. uh, PA junior, and uh, all these different uh, regional uh, tours that exist for the for youth bowling is much different than when I was growing up. I mean, we had a lot yeah. more, probably a lot more youth bowlers, and we had our junior traveling league type situations and. And, but there really wasn't this national championship and regional tour. You know, these kids, mm-hmm. these kids are bowling in events that when they bowl a PBA event, it, it doesn't really even feel that different. It, yeah. it feels uh, extremely uh, familiar to them and they can make that jump a little bit easier. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think of uh, uh, Nate Purchase, who won the pba junior right and now he's bowling i think he's a senior for whitewater and it's like you know the day that he makes the itc show right that they, they did this last year it's it's just lights man like it's it's just got they just grow up with it he's only a sophomore just, he's only sub. he's my son's he's a sophomore my son's is he really yeah yeah god so, he yeah. i give him much too much credit nate if you're listening to this i don't think you're that mature <laughs> <laughs> no, well he isn't that mature <laughs> <laughs> that's great. he's a great uh, future talent and uh i mean and he's already bowled pba events and you have guys yeah. like Eric jones there's a few kids that just say you know what i'm just gonna bowl pba events and not bowl in college and, mm-hmm. and then you have the uh, college bowling that um is just getting deeper and deeper um uh, but uh but yeah it, it it's really remarkable the ages sometimes when you look up i, I love the teen masters event and yeah seeing the kids mm-hmm. that uh, do well there and go, wow, these guys are going to be good for a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so I, 
I just think when you pair that 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 volume though of of bowlers that grew obviously grew up in the sport, um, they're really interested in it to the point of wanting to excel, you know, in the game. Um, you pair that with, you know, like you said, professional bowling is on more broadcast TV by the hour and by the episode essentially today than it had more than it has in 30 years. Um, and you, in the amount of talent that's on those broadcasts is arguably some of the highest that the human race has ever seen, Yeah, you know, yeah. In, at least in certain ways. And, and I, look, and I, it, I, I was just going to say, I think when you are, put those, I, I just yeah. don't want us to forget, look where you are right now on YouTube. Mm -hmm. YouTube is just an unbelievable tool that yeah. we never had as kids. And yeah, they, you know, these kids watch on demand. Our YouTube channel's really, really done well. I mean, it's got yeah. like 300,000 subscribers and, you know, shows get a million views, you know, I mean, and, and I just know that these kids are eating it up and that's really mm -hmm. where they, they can slow it down. They can just, you you see kids practice or be coached and they have a phone with them and they just, here's, here's me, here's Belmo, here's me, here's Simo, here's me, here's Chris Vi, you know, and you just try to emulate that you can get so much better faster because of this media and YouTube. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unbelievable. Sorry to it's, interrupt. No, you're good. You're good. Cause that's another big element. You know, you think of, you know, there's obviously the instructional element, um, whether it's self or you guys are working on a YouTube series with Randy Peterson now, uh, you know, that's that's pretty cool, too. Mm -hmm. You've got that side of YouTube. You've got the entertaining side of YouTube, which consider me an entertainer, I suppose. You've got the personal side with Brad and Kyle and Darren Tang and some of the other guys that are doing it now, too. And like there's all of these things, all of these positive things that are happening at a time when there are so many 14 to 24 year old bowlers and that to me is one of the things that bowling has had kind of lost for a while and the reason that league bowling went the way that it did is once they hit that that mid-20s range we 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 like a lot of people just fell off right we had a big exit rate there for a while i just wonder like how much of a positive impact it's going to have on extending the life of a bowler right in in that league setting and then backing that up right with the pba league bowler certification stuff and, and having programs like that and being all positive i i've been arguing for on the internet at least and before that even still that bowling is nearing a renaissance period it's gonna it's gonna do something and i as all these variables coming together i can't imagine that it isn't something positive but you've been doing this a lot longer than i have you know am i am i crazy or am i am i gluing too many things together you know it's it's uh there's so many factors that are out of your control you know and um but it, it, it's fueled by uh, a belief in the game. The game itself um, is really a remarkable, you know, invention. And um, uh, I think will endure, you know, it, it, it has a, uh, it, there's something about it. I think that's just in human beings DNA. And now we just need to keep them uh, connected to it Um you know, you know, there's, there's so many for, for people that want to argue, you know, about mm -hmm. what bowling has to do, you know, they sometimes leave out some things and, and it's like, well, you have to have places to play. So mm -hmm. you've got to have bowling centers. It's not like basketball where you can go down to the school and play mm -hmm. in the yard. And it's not like, you know, it's it's a sport that that competes in at a places that are businesses mm -hmm. you know um and and so you have to have a successful business in order to you know stay and, and yeah. maintain and be a place to play and so in order to have that sometimes places have to make decisions that aren't completely in line with what uh, someone who has only the sport of bowling in mind, you know, so you have to, you got to bridge the gaps. You got to bridge mm -hmm. the gap. And that's um, kind of goes to a lot of things we've been talking about just mm -hmm. this hour, you know, and, and I think so. I think you're right. I think that, uh, you know, people 
uh, bowling seems to be doing really, really well in that people want to get back out. They want to socialize. They want to be active and it's fun. Uh, and, uh, and if we can get them to not only see it as fun and, and just like a one day a year thing where, oh yeah, bowling, that's great. But if we could just get them to come back a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. to buy their own ball, you know, yep. get them to get coached, get them to get a lesson, you know, and suddenly see things that make them kind of like Jimmy Allen, you know, yeah. once he gets, he's bitten by the bug and he wants to get better, you can't keep him out, you know, of a bowling yeah. center. And um, mm-hmm. so he wants to bowl and he wants to bowl in leagues and he wants to bowl in tournaments. And, uh, and so, you know, all those things are available to people. And so we just, you know, you got to keep making them aware and uh, keep, keep getting that bug out there. The reason why we, we just believe, we believe in it. So that's why you keep fighting. Yeah. If you thought, well, yeah. there's no use or it's, you know, whatever it's gone. It's an old thing. It was popular in the fifties or whatever, you know, uh, if you just have that attitude, you might as well get out, get out. Right. Yeah. Just, just hang the shoes up. Cause you ain't, you ain't coming out in a positive way at the end of that thought. No. And they're wrong. And they're, they're basically wrong. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. there's way more things to do now. I mean, yeah. and just, it's just like television and comparing the seventies when I watched Earl Anthony uh, on, on Saturday afternoon, and there was one other college football game on that entire yeah. day. And it was like a game that I never would watch. And now on Saturday afternoon, every single college football game is on and I can watch whatever game I want. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, and so it, it's the, the amount of competition for television attention is similar to the amount of competition for leisure time. And so you have to figure out ways to to maintain relevancy. But when you start with the core of how great the game is itself. Yeah. Uh, you've got something to build on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. I have, I have two more quick things. Well, one might be a little bit longer, but I know, you know, before we talk too much, so, you know, it's all good, man. It's all good. You are, you are the people that are, uh, that those that are listening want to listen to. I get ridiculed all the time for rambling when I have other people on. So, um, no, I, uh, first thing and this this is probably a shorter one is i know that you guys at the pba are working on schedule you're working on getting all of that information released out once it's all solidified and all that so i know that there's um maybe not question marks but you're in process right but one of the things that is for certain is the masters is going back to thunderbowl and i know that that is a place that you really do appreciate is that how does i mean it the arena right it's it's, yeah. the, it's the arena um how exciting is that for for a guy you like been, you have you ever been there have you been to no the but I, no but i'm going to bowl this year you bowl the masters? <laughs> i'm gonna bowl the masters okay. as long as i can get in which i should be able to get in um my plan is is to bowl it and and do uh, i'll have to bring somebody with because of uh you know filming rules and all that but uh, the plan is I'm going to go to Detroit and uh, go bowl the Masters. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, no, I love Thunder Bowl. I mean, the the uh, the main bay is great too, and the, the yeah. lane is great, and the and the the people in Detroit are true bowling fans. They know what's going on, and uh, and so you you pack a place like that and uh, with with people that care. So that's the first step. But then the arena itself is just uh, it's a his, it's historic for one. But for two, it's just you know, high ceilings and it looks better on TV and they have a big giant jumbotron screen in there that no other bowling center has. Um, and uh, and so you, it's just uh, it's a it's definitely a romantic place for me. It's where the first you know, when we had the concept of the World Series of Bowling, it, it had to happen at a, at a special place. And that's where we did it. Uh, because of all that it offered and the amount of ways you can move things around and set up TV in here, but hold a giant tournament out here. And um, so, I mean, I think you'll really love uh, the, uh, the area and uh, the people and uh, the, the venue. It's, uh, Mm -hmm. it's cool. And the ownership and the general, the general manager there is great. And, and so they really take care of, uh, of the bowlers and understand what bowling bowlers need. But, uh, yeah, I, I was really happy to, well, it would have been great in Reno as well, although it wasn't happening at the bowling stadium in Reno. It was originally, uh, at the Grand Sierra, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, 
the USBC Open is at, at, in Reno uh, this mm -hmm. year. Uh, so uh, it moved, but uh, can't complain about where it moved to. I was going to say, yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of those logistical things where it, it's it's we're OK with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, US uh, Open, the U.S. Open's in a great venue as well. Yeah, uh, at uh, Woodland Bowl. At Woodland. Yep. So those are those are two of my favorites. I mean, they're two of the greatest bowling centers ever. So. Yeah, for sure. And it's uh, being being relatively local for me. I will very much say thank you. <laughs> and it just uh, just have you ever been to, to all the, of? Have you ever been to Riviera Lanes? I was at the TO, the whole TOC this last year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that place has, is kind of dripping with history too, and I think we're yeah. going to it up right. Uh, but when you walk through that building and you think about the people who've been in here competing and on that pair of lanes, 27, I mean, that's special too. So I, I think we've done a good job of, in recent years of uh, being in the types of venues that bring out the best in, in the players as well. I would completely agree with that. Um, last thing, Tom, and this is a question that I ask everybody, even just in life, um, but especially on the podcast here, um, Cause it's, it's, it's a, it's a challenging question, but also um, most people have typically are pretty good with answers is um, let's go back to 2011. You just get, you brought into the PBA. Um, you know, what, if you could give yourself advice back then, what would the piece of advice you'd give yourself back then be? Uh, Yeah, I've never really thought of it. Yeah, <laughs> I really, I really, it's 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 been kind of a constant, constant yeah. go every day. And I think there are things that I could do back then or would do back then, um, even without experience, that um, would be better than if you have the experience to not do them. You know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. But I, I think the main thing that. I don't even know if it would be 2011. It would be 2008 when I first started with the PBA. Is I kind of sure. came out, came out, guns ablazing, and we we're going to try a million different things, and we we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going. And it was, and I think it was a little overly ambitious because it was just all the stuff I always wanted to do, and so I tried to do it all right right mm -hmm. away. And I think I would learn to have a little bit more uh, consistency and a little bit more. Um, um, of a regularity um, because I've learned that it takes people time uh, to, to catch on to a concept. And if you, so if you throw too many concepts out, they're not going to grab hold of what you're doing. Even if in your head, this makes total sense. You know, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. I've, I've always had a pretty good um, understanding of trying to be the audience myself, you know, even coming from other jobs I've had at USA Today and think, always, you know, trying to do things, produce things with not your own mindset, but the mindset of the audience. Um, and, and so I've always had that, but I think, um, I think I've learned that the audience could use a little, a breather, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so could the, um, you know, people you're working with the 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 players you know you know you want there to be a stability and i think um if i had the the presence back then to um to be a, a stable force um and and gain the, the respect a little bit through that more than more than just by going well look what i did look at this look at this we did this we did this we did this you know and i was a little bit anxious i'd say yeah. so just kind of yeah. Just chill out. You know, I, you know, I'll tell you the, the real time when I was uh, most nervous about the future of the PBA was 2013, a couple of years into being a commissioner. And when they, when the, the, the previous ownership made me the CEO and, um, and I hadn't really um, been a CEO, you know, of a company. And, and so um, there were a lot of aspects of that that I hadn't done before. So I was nervous about that. So that, that guy, I would tell, don't be nervous about that. You know, mm -hmm. that, just, just say what you're doing. Don't think you have to say it perfectly or you be thought of as just, you're going to lose all credibility. And that's what I was mm -hmm. afraid of. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so that made me a little bit uh, uneasy during that time. But at that time, we had to do a lot of cutting. We had, there was a lot of things happened at, at the same time. We had to mm-hmm. cut, we had to really keep the PBA alive. And um, mm-hmm. and the other thing I would tell myself back in that 2000 is those people that were working on the PBA, you know, I think I did, but you know, treat treat them well because they were the key. I mean, there were people that um, that kept the PBA alive through really one of the most trying times uh, in the history of the sport. Uh, and it, and they gave us the ability to, to sell the media rights, to get on Fox, to then be a, attractive enough to have a new ownership group, yeah. Laro come in, and those things. I think, no matter where I am or what happens with me, I think that those two things will help propel uh, the, and continue the PBA on forever. You know, so. Mm-hmm. And there were moments when it seemed like maybe it wouldn't, you know, and mm-hmm. even when we were trying to get to Fox and we were on ESPN, and it was tough to leave. And, you know, there was a chance we'd end up empty handed, you know, and mm-hmm. so to, uh, to land where we did and then gain the, 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 the new ownership um, from great owners before who really did save the PBA, but they mm-hmm. were, done. you know, they were, they were out of investment. Yeah. They were, which is, completely fine and, and it was up to them I mean, those guys are all in the hall of fame where they belong the, the previous owners but mm-hmm. they found the they we really found the right buyer and that the success of all of their bowling centers you know can be tied to the pba and um and they've been the greatest uh, bolero for whatever anybody's feelings as things move fast you know mm-hmm. uh, things have have progressed there's been no greater investor in the sport of bowling uh, than Bolero. And uh, so, um, so I think that the, the, the future is bright be, because of that. And I'm not sure if that answered your question, but I think it goes back to that rambling thing. It does. It does. You got there. Patience. That's what I heard. Patience. <laughs> yeah, I, and I patience. <laughs> yeah. Patience. And that's a great trait in bowling too. I, and I've never, mm-hmm. I never had that. I tell my son that all the time. I tell, I tell my son to be patient, you know, and I didn't have patience. I don't, I don't think patience has been the, uh, the most difficult thing for me to learn, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I think you, you said the word, I was just saying all kinds of things. That's what I would say. That's what I would say. Patient, you know, everything. Yeah. It's all, it's all good time. It's all good. Well, I will, anything else that you want to tell the listeners and viewers about, or do we, do we hit all the things that we can oh. talk about in the middle of October here? Yeah, stay tuned. I think you'll see a lot of. Uh, I mean, if you're on YouTube and watching this, hopefully you're you subscribe to the PBA's YouTube channel and yeah, hopefully uh, you know, hopefully when when and when it becomes possible to uh, to be a part of a, a PBA league, or if you talk to your bowling center and and they're not necessarily Bolero yet, or you're not in a PBA league, um, they can the they will have the opportunity to to join um, in the near future, and so I hope that you encourage your bowling centers to do that because there's a lot of great stuff coming down the pike uh, for the PBA league. And then, yeah, just stay tuned uh, to uh, PBA.com and the social media because uh, the season schedule will come out pretty soon. Um, and I appreciate everybody's patience on that. And, um, you know, yeah, you, I think you touched on it. The players that we have today are really inspiring and um, uh, they've been, uh, you know, you're looking for ambassadors. You're looking for um, people that get other people to want to get better at the game. I think we've got a great crop right now, and and not mm-hmm. just not just that top ten, uh, but all the way down the line and the top players uh, in every region. It's always mm-hmm. really impressive just even to go to a regional. If we don't get around to your city, find a regional, get out to one because that's the best competitive bowling that there is, and. Um, and we get around to 150 different cities, you know, every year with regionals and senior tour events. And, uh, and so hopefully uh, fans take advantage of that, but uh, mm-hmm. no, I appreciate what you guys do and all the growth that we've had on YouTube and, uh, and uh, podcasts. And yeah. uh, it's kind of like the new bowling media. A lot of people mm-hmm. think that, that the bowling media has gone down, which it has when it comes to traditional media, but the, the new media is kind of, you know, we, we should just all keep continuing to promote uh, each other and yep. get more and more people talking about bowling. 
Absolutely. I completely agree. So, um, thank you. Thank you very much for the time, Tom. I, I know, uh, it took a little bit to get you in here, but I'm glad that we got to have this conversation and I'll be watching for the schedule. Um, hopefully we can touch base again, you know, maybe mid season and see where we're at after that. And, uh, well, at the very least I'll see you in Detroit. So yeah, you better start practicing, man, I, I'm telling you, you know, the, the masters is a great tournament to bowl though, because you know, I know you look at it and you go, wow, I could, I could make the top 64. And then you say, well, well, a lot of guys do. I feel Not this guy. That's the, it's really where the most upsets come. But then again, yeah. then you see, well, yeah. Belmont won it four times and Simo's won it twice. And, you know, yeah. but yeah, it's where upsets happen. And, uh, you know, you make that top 64, you're bowling three game matches and a three game match, you know, you can beat can anybody. Happen. You know, yep. you can get that right focus and, uh, and uh, the line and, and the ball and everything just kind of match up. And suddenly you're in a tight match with Chris Barnes. You know, <laughs> 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 that does remind me of uh, another thing that before I let you go. Yeah. Uh, it was from this season was on the P- PBA 50 tour. John Burkett winning his first title. Oh, yes. That yes. was big. I mean, and, and, uh, and then the reason why it reminded me was he beat Barnes like 770 to 760, something like that in a match. <sighs> To, to make it to the show, if he, if yeah. he had to get by Barnes, and yep. that's uh, and like like J- Berkeley said, I mean, it's one, the greatest accomplishment of his sports career. And we're talking about a guy who was a major league baseball all star pitcher for years, mm-hmm. you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it meant so much to him. And and the reason why all these titles mean something to people is because of who you beat when you win a PBA title. Mm-hmm. Chris Barnes is in that field. I mean, if Chris Barnes is in the field and you win it. <laughs> you learned it. It's special. <laughs> you, yeah. It talks about lane conditions and balls and all these different things. The number one ingredient of the PBA is the players, and the mm-hmm. players uh, are what make it special. So that's yeah, what I absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see those players here soon. Um, I, I'm really excited for this year. Um, best of luck with everything as you're kind of wrapping up preparations and all that. And um, I look forward to it, Tom. So thanks again for the time. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Yeah.